Well, we're finding out tonight that Prime Minister Trudeau and other NATO leaders will gather in Brussels a week from tomorrow on the 24th for a special summit on Ukraine. U.S. President Joe Biden will also be there. It is likely the words of Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky will be ringing in their ears, uh, Trudeau's as well as Joe Biden's, because Zelensky will address the U.S. Congress tomorrow. In his address today to Parliament, Zelensky, speaking through a translator, again appealed to Western countries to enforce some sort of defenses of Ukraine's sky. A no-fly zone is what's most often talked about, something to protect Ukraine from Russian airstrikes. Can you imagine when you, when you call your friends, your friendly nation, and you ask, please close the sky, close the airspace, please stop the bombing. How many more cruise missiles have to fall on our cities until you make this happen? Pointed words from the Ukrainian president there. Of course, Russia's advances on the ground have been relatively ineffective to some extent through most of the country. Its bombardment of Ukraine's cities and Ukraine's civilians have been inaccurate, but deadly. And we've seen it in Mariupol, uh, despite evacuation today. We've seen it at Kharkiv. Obviously, we're seeing it in Kiev now. Indiscriminate shelling of cities is a Russian tactic. We've seen it used elsewhere. Aleppo, for instance. But it is indiscriminate. And obviously, for someone like Vladimir Zelensky, unbearable to watch, knowing that something could be done to protect it. We did get a reaction from Canadian MPs. Here's Elizabeth May of the Green Party and interim conservative leader, Candace Bergen. A vow from her, an emotional response from Elizabeth May. It broke my heart to write our dear colleague in Ukraine that all elected Greens around the world have come to the same conclusion, that a no-fly zone will risk a wider war and even a nuclear war. We need to protect at a minimum the airspace over the humanitarian corridors so that Ukrainians can seek safe passage away from the war zones and to allow humanitarian relief to reach those areas under siege. Sanctions on Russia appear effective, but they will take time. So what chance is there that Ukraine will be given what it needs or that Russia will be brought to the table to end this war before more civilians are killed? Talks will continue between Ukraine and Russia tomorrow. Will they lead anywhere? Joining me now to discuss this is Bob Ray, Canada's ambassador to the United Nations. Thank you so much for being here tonight. A pleasure. Nice to be with you. I know you watched President Zelensky's address today. Um, it, it was certainly one of the more impressive addresses I've seen to Parliament, specifically in just how much it was related to Canadians. What kind of impact do you think it'll have? I think it'll have an impact. I think it'll continue to resonate with Canadians uh, and with MPs and with ministers and with the Prime Minister. I think everybody who listened to him uh, was was affected by it. Uh, it was very personal. It was very direct. It was very, very compelling. Uh, I, I, and I think anyone giving a speech, if I was teaching again at my students, I'd say, listen, watch this one and think about what are the qualities. It's personal. Uh, it's also a very, very direct. Uh, it asks people to um, use their imagination in in creating the the basis for empathy. Empathy is not a hard thing to. Uh, it, it can be a hard time to, thing to to try to create. Um, I think he did that very very effectively, um, and I think it will have a continuing impact. and And I think as as uh, George Fury said, um, it really was a an expression of 
of here I stand. And, and I think that's something that all of us uh, realize is the source of his inspiration and also uh, the source of his courage. So it was, it was, a, it was quite a moment. He was certainly, and this I watched his speech last week or his address to to uh, to UK parliamentarians last week. This one felt even more direct, and I wouldn't call it a question of frustration or anger, but his demands. Obviously, watching what's unfolded in Ukraine even the last week has made those demands even more urgent. Are we any closer to meeting any of his demands or any of his asks? Well, I think the everybody focuses immediately to the question of the no fly zone, but to me that. That is a is not an objective in in and of itself. That's a that's a means to an end. And the end is 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 saving lives and making sure that Putin doesn't succeed militarily in in Ukraine. Uh, and I think that the for me the most important thing is that he's asking us to keep on thinking and working towards and trying to be as creative and innovative as we can and finding new ways to help and new ways to respond. Um, anyone following the news will know that um, the military experts advising the prime minister and NATO uh, feel that the no-fly no zone is, is, um, is challenging because of the, of the way in which it would engage uh, the, the Russian Air Force and therefore the Russian state. Uh, and, and that poses its own direct challenges to 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 us. Um, but I don't think I mean, I think that that people say, well, that's not really the, the problem or the issue. It's more uh, various kinds of artillery, various kinds of firepower, various kinds of ways of allowing the Ukrainians to defend themselves effectively and to, frankly, uh, keep on being as effective as they are in aggressively resisting the uh, the regret the aggression and, and I, I think that's to the point I mean that's sure he's frustrated he's his people are still being bombed he's still being bombed um, we haven't we haven't been able to resolve uh, a way of, uh, of of dealing with the Russians um, and and I think when he spoke to the British Parliament obviously he evoked he evoked Churchill as any sensible person would. Uh, because this is a Churchillian moment. This is a moment where uh, the British felt alone. Canada was there with the British, but not, and the Commonwealth was there, but the Americans were not, and the British were alone, and Europe had been defeated. And so he was going to the United States and appealing directly to the American Congress to say, what are, I need more. We need more assistance, and we need more help. And, and I think that's something which... Um, Mr. Zelensky clearly is is uh, in the same situation, and he's he's asking for the same thing. And he's addressing the U.S. Congress tomorrow. How important do you think that address will be? I think it's important. I mean, NATO is having a meeting later on. I mean, the the, the Minister of Defense is meeting tomorrow. Um, reports of the president uh, going to Europe uh, next week. So, I mean, I think there are lots of reasons to believe that. Uh, He's having Mr. Zelensky is having an impact on on, on everybody. Um, I, I think he's having an impact on opinion uh, in all of our countries. Um, uh, I think MPs are feeling that. And so I, I think it's only natural that he's just going to keep on going until he's able to get the, the have the impact on uh, on Mr. Putin that he wants to have. And I think that's totally understandable. 
How much further along are we? We heard some noises. Uh, President Zelensky today is saying that perhaps uh, NATO membership isn't in the cards for, for Ukraine. We've heard some overtures that maybe negotiations are making some sort of headway. What do you read into that? Do you see any promise there at all? Well, my problem is I don't really believe whatever the Russians say. I mean, I, I think I've already expressed that sense. We, we can't rely on, on, on their reports of what they are prepared to do. Um, I haven't seen any shift in uh, Mr. Putin's fundamental war aims, which are basically to dismember uh, Ukraine uh, and to ask Ukraine to trust Russia to provide them with protection and saying, you know, we, we won't, if you recognize all the areas that we've conquered, we won't go any further. Well, we've been through that movie uh, before the Second World War. I'm not sure people need to go through it again. Uh, and I think that's, that's really where the, the issue of Russian credibility comes, comes to play. So I don't pay much attention to what they say. I pay attention to what they do. Right now, they're still shelling away. They're still bombing away. Uh, they're killing people coming out of, out of uh, you know, in so-called humanitarian corridors, which there's never been a humanitarian corridor that the Russians have respected in this conflict. So we can't trust them there. Um, nearly 100 kids have died. I mean, this is, the, the, the Russians have to show us that they're serious. I mean, the most effective way they could show us they're serious is to stop bombing and say, we, we're going to stop and we're going to talk and ask for a ceasefire. And they haven't done that. There's no willingness to engage, do that. And so until that happens, I, I'm not personally I'm just watching it. I would just say, why, why would we believe, believe them? Um, we know we're having some impact on them. We know that they're not, they haven't succeeded in their, in their objective of, of uh, a quick blitzkrieg that would result in the, in the defeat, the decisive defeat for Ukraine. But on the other hand, they have a lot of soldiers. They have a lot of means of, uh, of killing people and they, they can do an, a tremendous amount of damage. And their basic way of operating is to destroy as much property and as much uh, infrastructure as they possibly can. So the cost of rebuilding will be, will be, will be very, very high. Um, and and uh, the, the impact on refugees is terrible. And so we, you, when you look at what they're doing, you say this is very destructive. I'm speaking with Bob Ray, Canada's ambassador to the United Nations from New York. Uh, when we come back, uh, what can we do to put pressure on Russia? That's next. I'm back with Bob Ray, Canada's ambassador to the United Nations. We've been talking about President Volodymyr Zelensky's speech to the Canadian Parliament today, a very impassioned, emotional speech uh, invoking what it would be like for Canadians to suffer the sort of damage to their cities that Ukraine is experiencing now. One of the things that struck me about his speech, Mr. Ray, was that it, it, there, there is no defeat in, in, in Ukrainian words now. There is this belief, I gather, from within Ukraine that this is now a war that could be won on whose terms and how is unclear. Uh, do, do you see the same? It's certainly not something we thought would happen three weeks ago. Well, I think the resistance has been remarkable. I think it is remarkable. And I think it's, a, it's an incredible message to the world, which is all the military experts and, and uh, so-called realists and everybody else who, uh, who tell us what they think, um, saying that you know, the Ukrainians didn't have a chance, have been proven wrong so far. Um, 
but the one thing that we underlying challenge that we have to come to grips with is that Russia and Ukraine will always be neighbors. Uh, and there's nothing we can do to change that. I mean, we can't miraculously uh, take Ukraine out of the neighborhood. Uh, and so we, there is a need to figure out uh, how, how will they get along? How will we deal with the practical issues between them around the, 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 the minority Russian-speaking uh, part of Ukraine, um, how, how we deal with the current situation in Crimea, how we deal with all of those issues together. Um, some of those could be affected by a military defeat, if, if we could imagine such a thing full-scale defeat. But I think it's much more likely that there won't be a full-scale defeat on either side. There'll be a stalemate of some kind, and then, and then a ceasefire of some kind. And then you're still going to have to figure out how, we, how are we going to uh, create uh, a, a livable future? Um, because while Ukraine naturally aspires to uh, its own future and plotting its own course, and, and while Russia should not control what that future is, um, that future will involve living in the same neighborhood. And, and that means, like in any situation, you have to figure out, well, how, how are we going to make sure this doesn't break out again? How are we going to deal with some of the underlying issues? Um, those are things that uh, we haven't really had a lot of time to think about but which would be a part of any, any solution um, or any long-lasting um, understanding. And, and I think that's, that's something which is, which is worth everybody thinking about. And I know at the UN, people are thinking about it. Um, and I know that in any mediation effort, you're thinking about that. Uh, but that's something that we all have to think about. Mr. Ray, you certainly know the, what the impacts of, of, of you know, long-standing crises are, whether it was in Myanmar or elsewhere. I mean, you know what the worst case scenario looks like and, and how, why it must be avoided here. How do you pressure the Russians specifically into sitting down at the table and negotiating something that looks like at least a durable peace? Well, I think the, I think the, um, the impact of the sanctions and the decision of the West to carry out the sanctions that they did um, is having an impact. And I think that any sensible person in the Kremlin would look at this situation and say, uh, how the hell do we get out of this? Um, they don't want to be driven into the arms of the Chinese. Uh, if they have any, <laughs> I mean, they, they understand the consequences of that. Uh, they want to be able to rebuild their country. They want to be able to trade with other countries. They want to be able to engage economically with other countries. And so one of the things the sanctions have done is they've given us in the West an ability to say, well, it's not just, you don't just have a fight now. You're not just fighting with Ukraine. You're fighting with us, fighting in different ways. It's having a different impact. But if you want to resolve the situation with us, here's, here are the things that need to happen. Here's what you need to do. And I think that changes the nature of the ballgame because even though the Russians will deny it, they'll say it's not having any impact. We don't feel a thing. It's no pain here. Don't worry about us. But the reality is the sanctions have been very effective and they're much wider and deeper than the Russians would ever have anticipated. So if they want to get out of that mess, which is in their interest to do so, 
uh, they're going to find a way to negotiate something. And this is why I say it's what we have done is more important than what we've said. If we hadn't done anything and we begged and pleaded with, with Russia to stop, and then we begged and pleaded with them to come to a reasonable arrangement, uh, we would have no impact. It would be the impact of last year's snow. It would be nil. But the fact that we've shown that we're willing to, there's some difficult things we're willing to do, and, and we willing, we're willing to absorb some pain, then I think that that gives that should give pause to the Russians in, in the medium term. The challenge we face is, is the conflicting schedules. Sanctions will take longer to have their full impact, but the, the humanitarian impact is immediate in terms of people leaving, three million now, the number will keep going, rising by several tens of thousands every day, hundreds of thousands. It's, it's gonna be, it continues to be a complete mess uh, for people and tragedy for people. And there's no possible way for people to return unless that situation is stabilized. I only have a short period of time left. Um, China's role in this, can China be relied on to put pressure on the Russians, do you think? No, not, not, not relied on in the sense of, you know, can we, I think, right, I think China would like to see, to see this concluded. I think any sensible person would like to see it concluded. And China is a big actor today in the world stage. They have a lot of economic and other interests. They, Chinese, the Chinese crave stability. They like stability. Um, and and when, they, when they see things that are not stable, they, they say, let's, let's go back to stability. Um, but the reality is, is that stability requires Mr. Putin to change, change what he's doing. Uh, we can't reach stability unless Vladimir Putin stops the war because he's the one who started it. So he's the one who's going to have to stop it. And if, if he can stop it, then then I think China would, would be happier. But can we rely on them? Eh, not so much. <laughs> Sorry. Bob Ray, that's well put. Bob Ray, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Take care.